0: The weather has turned dry and hot again out West. What does that mean for this diverse and important agricultural region? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Voach, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. A dry winter, historic heat, and the municipal battle for water. Looks like we're talking drought in the West again, and we are. Tim Heardin and Todd Fitchett with Western Farm Press join me today to discuss the situation and while drought is hitting a large part of the nation, out west, a drought has urban and rural impacts that are different than other parts of the country. Let's turn to Tim and Todd to get their insights. Tim and Todd, welcome to Around Farm Progress. How are things going where you guys are? Good. It's hot and getting hotter. Well, Tim, that's great
1: to hear. <laughs> Todd, how about where you are? <laughs> oh, people, people are tired about me talking about 120 plus degree heat. Well, I stopped so, following
0: you on Facebook for that very reason. So Yeah,
1: it was it was hotter <laughs> than that the other day. So I just I'll just keep my mouth shut on that.
0: <laughs> well, we also know that you guys are both under the heat dome, which is building out in the West. But the bigger question isn't this well, historic heat is a huge deal, obviously I get that. But there's a bigger issue going on out where you are, and we've been starting to talk about it in other parts of the country, but drought in the West, it's back and it's back in a big way, isn't it?
2: Yes, it is, and again, thank you for the opportunity here, Willie. And it's uh, it's good to talk again. You hear things happening gradually and then suddenly, and that's kind of how to describe the 2021 drought in the West. Um, we've had two dry winters in a row, so we knew we'd have a dry summer, but it's worsened very quickly. Um, and in California, the big the you know the big driver of the rapid deterioration is the fact that we've only gotten about 20% of our anticipated spring runoff. Um, they looked at four key rivers and um, they were there was a 685,000 acre foot reduction in anticipated flows in those four key rivers. And so uh, what that's done is it's caused uh drastic measures to be taken by both water regulators and growers um with the water regulators the the state has escalated measures that they had planned for next year if there was another dry winter they're already doing it this summer
0: Uh, so tim can you can you help me out a little bit because you know our midwest listeners might want to know when you say the river flow is down is that because there was no snow
2: yes yeah um mainly um Yeah, there was no snowpack. It was down um, significantly, uh, the April 1st uh, average. Um, So everything kind of escalates from there. Uh, In one of the main uh, pass through or the main pass throughs of water in the Central Valley is the is the California Delta. And that's east of the bay, San Francisco Bay. Mm And that's where the both the Sacramento River and San Joaquin River come down into. And that's sort of the source of it's the source of a lot of problems. But they're building a rock wall to keep salinity from coming in from the bay into the delta. And the last time they did that was 2015. And that big drought, that was the, you know, the five year drought. Uh, the state has cut off water, uh, told 4,300 junior water rights holders not to divert. Um, there could be more stop-divert orders uh, coming down the, the pike this summer. People, think, people are thinking it's likely. Um, and it's impacting growers. Um, one grower we talked to fall- has already followed one-third of his fields. He might do more. Uh, rice acreage is down 20% from a good year and on the North coast where they've, they've issued water shutoff orders. They're already trucking in water from where, uh, they purchase it and bring it in. That's, that's the issue. That's the issue though. There isn't, you know, there's not much water on the spot market, so you can buy it. You know, normally they buy water, uh, during these situations, but there's, it's all spoken for.
0: There was somebody out there a couple of years ago that tried to make a contract to buy water from the great lakes and take it out West. And the numbers were so high and it kind of ran under the radar until a couple of people figured it out and they stopped it out here. So this is, we're getting to situations with water that could be very interesting in the next
2: decade. Yes, that's for sure. Yes, it could, especially well in California, they um, in years past, they've relied on wells when they couldn't get surface water, but that's regulated yeah. heavily now. And as I say, there's not much water on the spot market. But, you know, this this isn't just California either. The whole, as you know, mm-hmm. and you've been discussing on your podcast and, and and elsewhere, the whole western half of the country is in drought. And one area I like to look at is the Pacific Northwest, which was thought of as safe a few months ago, just a few short months ago. Now, everywhere east of the Cascades is is considered extreme. And there's already wildfires in the West. That's a whole different issue. Um, But everybody expects this to be one of the worst years ever.
0: Tim, this is fascinating and and not great news, obviously. And Mm -hmm. we're dealing with drought. We just got the drought. Report came out today and extended the drought farther into the Midwest and the northern Midwest. Um, Mm -hmm. The southwest is bad. There is a difference, though, and I think maybe you and Todd could discuss that a little bit. But when I talk about drought in the Midwest, it's no rain. But if I have access to water, I I can water. You know, I can irrigate. And in Nebraska, we irrigate. We're careful. We do get to irrigate um the government tells you how to spend and use water in your part of the world which is totally different than the midwest isn't it
2: mhm mm. and maybe todd can step in here but i've heard of uh people in years past especially call it a man-made drought and part of the part of the reason is that they have to they have to run a certain amount of water out into through the through those two rivers and other rivers out into the ocean for fish <laughs>
0: Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) Todd, what are you seeing in your part of the world?
1: Um, It's not much different anymore. Um, Arizona gets its its water, you know, either from wells or um, there's what's called the Arizona, the Central Arizona Project, Mm -hmm. uh, which uh, moves surface water from Lake Mead down a canal system. And and that basically feeds the uh, the metropolitan areas in uh, in three counties in the center of the state. Um, the, the rest of the Colorado River, if you're, you know, if you're familiar with your geography at all, it just it runs down. It, it's the natural border for uh, for two states. Uh, well, really three Nevada, Arizona and California and. Uh, and then that water rolls out to the uh, Sea of Cortez um, in, in Mexico. And uh, but you've got two two things at play here: the the Colorado River, um, the water that's going into Phoenix, we'll call it. Um, they have junior rights to the river, so they're the first to lose when when uh, when any cuts happen. And you're going to see that with with Lake Mead. You're starting to see it now. It's been all over the news. Uh, Lake Mead, that that big reservoir on the Arizona Nevada border is sitting at about 30% of capacity right now. Um, it's lower than it's ever been since they built Hoover Dam and started filling that lake. Um, it was it. It's fallen three feet in the last three weeks, so basically right now it's fallen about a foot a week. Um, and, uh, and, and part of that is because uh, Metropolitan Water District and in, in, uh, in Southern California, um, they have a straw in that river. And California has um, significant rights to um, the river. In fact, of the of the three states, they have uh, the largest um, share of of Colorado River water. And so, when you know when L.A. and San Diego can't pump water out of northern California like like happened this year, because the state of California says, well, you're going to get five percent of your water, maybe. Then LA says, "Okay, fine. We'll turn the pumps on at Parker, Arizona," and and that's what they've done. And you know, there's nothing nefarious about what they're what they're doing. They're trying to feed, you know, service area customers there in Southern California. But that's 20 million people who um, are now drinking out of Lake Mead, and and that lake is is falling, like I said, a foot a week basically right now. And um, now that It'll, what's interesting, and I talked to a guy on the phone today, um, Yuma farmers, once they get into their, uh, their produce season um, here in the fall, which I mean, they're, they're a 24 or they're a year round growing region, but um, they start planting the lettuce and whatnot in about uh, September. Um, they have uh, more senior rights to the river than anybody else in Arizona. So for them, fortunately, um, this year may not be a bad year for the growers in the uh, Yuma uh, Basin and, and those who use water on both sides of the Colorado and California and in Arizona. Um, but if it doesn't rain, um, you, you're not going to be able to invent this water. It's, it's going to have to go somewhere. And well, uh,
0: question not to interrupt, but I guess the question I have on on that is if the Yuma growers have senior water rights, are they over California? No. OK,
1: uh, well, I, well, I say no quickly, um, yeah. as I understand it, they they're senior over Arizona.
0: OK, that makes um, sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure there's an attorney or two out there who could who could talk, talk at you for days on, on you know, the two states. Well, the uh, other
0: point that you're making when you talk about water rights in the straw in, from California in Lake Mead, none of that water is going to a farm no
1: um well no the the, the central arizona project does ha- allocate about 300,000 acre feet of water per year to farms in central arizona they right. call it the ag- they call it the ag pool right but because that uh, the, the way that project was set up and it's junior rights mm. to to the river um the first to get cut out of that out of those are the are the farmers so the 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 folks who are growing um, you know forages and cotton um, in in the center part of the state um, that would get that surface water they're not gonna they're not gonna have that. Wow. So what,
0: and I want to talk about another crop that you and I've kind of talked about offline, but what does this really mean? What's the real impact? Tim, um, can you give me some scope of what might be happening here? I know that there's been some challenges in the Klamath Falls area in Oregon. What, what's this drought really mean for, for everybody in 2021 in your part of the world?
2: Well, it's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reduce production and it's going to cost money and it's going to cost a lot of jobs. I've not seen an estimate yet. We're still too new into this as far as uh, job losses and crop losses and fallowed fields. UC Davis usually does a study uh, on that. They they did it during the last drought, and I'm sure they're working on it uh, right now. But, you know, you mentioned the Klamath Basin. They're zero again. They were expecting a small amount of water in uh, on June 1st, and they were told that they would not get it. The only water that's going anywhere in the basin is, is a little bit going to the Tule Lake Wildlife Refuge, and a trickle of water that that uh, is on its way there, apparently growers can use, but it's not much. It's not worth writing home about. And of course, the Klamath Basin has been a, the source of a lot of conflict, and people across the country remember it for 2001. It was 20 summers ago. Where they had all of the protests, and they even had some people try to bust open the head gates uh, temporarily, and and that got uh, more or less put down. And there's a small group there that that is threatening to do it again. And it's actually they bought a piece of property right next to the head gates, and they put up uh, apparently a tent uh, to let people to. They're they're calling it an information tent. To let people know about the the water situation, and they've they're they are um, they're affiliated with the the protester Ammon Bundy, uh, mm-hmm. but most of the most of the from what I've from from local reports that I've seen, most of the growers don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh,
0: Interesting. So are we seeing? OK, we talk about this and we're kind of I don't want to be like we're in our own tunnel about this. Are we getting any consumers who care about whether farmers have water in that part of the world?
2: I, you know, intellectually, I'm sure there are some, but we're not seeing it in terms of policy. Not at this right. point. Todd, what do you think?
1: No, I, I agree. I am. I, um... And 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 it's kind of sad because you know as, as ag communicators we're out there not just listening to what people are talking about but but we're sharing this stuff online and, and in mm-hmm. our print publications and and surely our our digital publications can be seen by you know anybody with a broadband connection yeah so um yeah intellectually there has to be somebody who understands this um, but you know the the uh, the other side of me wonders about that when when we hear the same you know the same words out of politicians Mm -hmm. and and they say nice things but nothing happens
0: yeah one of the areas that i keep getting played back to me when we talk about water in the west is of course the almond industry because (laughs) almond trees need water and this all this water and drought a problem and so it's been played out in popular media again. Okay. so why why is and I've tried to explain this to people too. So why don't you explain to me from your perspective why those trees aren't a problem in the middle of a drought, even though they're still producing almonds or almonds as the case may be. So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a joke, but we won't we'll we'll we'll, we'll see leave that off day. of here for now. Yeah. I know the joke. Um, yeah. But The the almond trees right now there's about uh, there's over a million acres of almond trees in the ground, and kind of the grand irony is is um, you know every Arbor Day people talk about planting trees, well California almond farmers have planted 1.3 million acres of them, and they sequester carbon, Mm -hmm. and um and they they have other effects, but. As you say, they they require water, as does any you know any living organism, plant or or animal, and um, and so they the almond board of California give them credit. They they were really first out of the box to um, to start this sustainability move, and and they have they have these um, rather interesting goals. And, and one of their goals is to continue to – they've already reduced the amount of water they use to uh, produce that crop by about a third. And, and they, and they want to reduce it even more. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, there's a lot of science involved in that because now you've got people who are breeding trees to try to be a little more drought tolerant. Uh, they're breeding trees to not require bees. Um so almonds are are bee pollinated, but um there's a few varieties out there that don't need bees. Uh And 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 so there's some nurseries out there, you know, making money selling those trees. Uh And 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 we had a story on that recently in in Western Farm Press. Uh Um but the um I don't know, the almond industry is has become kind of that whipping boy um every time there's a drought, um, you know, they're taking the water from everybody else. And um, but yet there's if there's one point three million acres of trees and the Almond Board of California is selling three billion pounds of them a year or, you know, two and a half to three billion pounds a year. um, There's people around the world that want almonds and they're willing to pay and they're willing to pay for them.
2: The Almond Board has a has a slogan. The Almond Board has tried to be proactive in terms of they understand the optics and i've todd and i have both talked to them about that mm-hmm. they have a slogan that they use called more crop per drop and as todd mentioned they want they've already reduced water use per almond by 33 their goal is to reduce it another 20 percent by 2025 wow. and you know we we they were one of the, as todd mentioned they were one of the first and in, in the sustainability push And they've been serious about it. They've hired people from the environmental community to come in and tell their their farmers and advise their farmers how to be more sustainable. And now everybody's doing that. Sustainability is the buzzword for the 20s in agriculture. And they were one of the first.
0: Well, and the thing, too, I think a lot of people need to realize is we don't irrigate those trees the way we used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not it's not it's not big sprinklers. It's drip um nutrient delivery is quite precise i mean there's a lot of things that are going that's going on in the orchard that isn't visible to the human eye if you're just driving by at 70 miles an hour right.
1: no it's no it's not and 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 in fact it, it that's kind of an interesting thing um years ago they were flood irrigated so you right, you got right. your ditch water and you, and and you move the head out through the orchard and and that's how you watered your trees And, and now it's, it's with drip and micro systems, but those, those drip and micro systems do not replenish aquifers. And so there's, there's a little bit of a concern that, that maybe there's, um, some bad with the good. Um, and, and so there's, there's a move afoot to, um, in a good year when there's water available, um, in those orchards with the soil type where you can percolate water pretty well, mm-hmm. um, they want to flood irrigate those orchards with the idea of putting water back in the aquifer. I think that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. If we ever have another good year for water, yeah, yeah. that'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, if, 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 <laughs> if, if we do. I, I There was a, a, a UCLA climate scientist that I watched on a webinar here a, few, yep. a couple weeks ago, and, and he talked about some – it was rather scary what he talked about. Um, the pendulum is going to swing wide. We're going to have we're going to have years of what we have now, and we're going to have periods of plenty. The problem is that plenty is going to come in a very short period of time, and it and it's probably going to be catastrophic in 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 its nature, uh, with respect to flooding.
0: Well, actually, that's interesting, and I think uh, Dan Kepin at the Family Farms Alliance has talked about this that. We're having these extremes. Right. So the idea would be we need better water management in the West so we can figure out how to capture that abundance, not let it flood away from us. And whether that's some sort of diversion programs, whatever that might be, getting it in back into Lake Mead would be a great idea. But
1: uh, yeah, but those programs.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are programs that should be very interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, if you have it, I had somebody bring up bring up to me the other day. Um, typically in California, and I'm sure it's it's, it's common in the West, um, the the reservoir managers will um, in the winter draw these reservoirs down because they expect rain and snow to fill them up in the spring and the summer months, and and they call that flood control. Well, if you're not having any rain or, or snow in the winter, why why drain those lakes if you don't have to?
0: yeah we need to figure out a different kind of flood control, I think what do you think right <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i'm I mean th- that was just what one person told me and 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 they made it they made a good point you know rather than just draw the lake down to to almost nothing by december january and and with the expectation that it's going to refill by june um we're seeing that that's not happening now and and so these these are policy decisions that um you know, that our elected and appointed officials are going to have to make.
0: Well, these are strategic issues. This has to be strategic, right?
1: It's strategic, but it's also policy because particularly in California, you're dealing with, um, uh, Endangered Species Act issues and and, and all these other regulatory, uh, constraints that it's, it's not just you managing your farm pond, Willie. It's, it's, it's something with law and and, and teeth and, and environmental groups, um, clamoring for so it's it's a totally different animal
2: you know one of the issues is that california passed a water bond in 2014 proposition one and it it was i think 7.3 billion dollars and i believe it was 2.7 billion uh was for storage and mm-hmm. there hasn't been much movement um there there are people complaining that the state is kind of dragging its feet uh, there's a reservoir in Northern California planned called Sites that would help, um, but we haven't seen much movement. There's been no there's been no dirt moved. Uh, they're still uh, working on uh, paperwork, I guess. But uh, if we could get some of that built and some of the conveyance that they have talked about, it might help a little.
0: Well, and you know, Todd brought up a good point. ESA is really Environmental Species, the Endangered Species Act, is mm-hmm. a challenge it but a, a comprehensive strategic western water plan can take that into consideration i right. mean we look at, we look at ways that we've done with the lesser prairie chicken and the way ranchers and farmers have taken care of that animal i think there are ways to deal with the water i think one of the things is we can we can rail about environmental groups but there are some out there that are that are friends of agriculture yeah. yeah, we need are. to make sure we're engaging the environment people like the Environmental Defense Fund. That's one off the top of my head, and make sure they're in the conversation because they're the ones that can reach the policymakers. Maybe even better than the Farm Bureau. No offense to my friends at the American Farm Bureau Federation, but we need some of these groups on our side too.
1: Well, the, also, the California Rights the ex- Commission has um, has some uh, interesting relationships with some of these environmental groups, Good. and and they're and they're very positive.
0: Yes, Tim. You were going to say Tim.
1: Yes.
2: Also, the uh, the extension uh, programs in the different states they do a lot of really good research on on uh, uh, water and and water use and and uh, uh, that sustainability angle that that bridges a lot of a lot of uh, it it uh, creates a lot of bridges between people.
0: Yeah, we need to we need to figure out a way to talk about sustainability without using that word though, because I'm hearing from more and more right. farmers they hate that word.
1: Yeah, it's 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 morphed into something that 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 has a, a negative connotation with a lot of people. But but uh, another point, Willie, and and something that that might get people's attention is. Um, the operator, the people who operate Oroville Dam, it's the earthen dam there in Northern California that mm-hmm. that um, almost failed here in 2017 because the uh, lake overflowed. Um, they have they've announced to the state of California that they only have about two months of water remaining in that lake before they can no longer create hydroelectric power. So you've got 800,000 homes potentially that are going to have to find uh, electricity from some other source. Hmm. And, and if, if, you know, if that like reaches Deadpool, then it's not going to produce power. Um, you know, there's an argument that if if this drought drags on, Mead and Powell will get there and they're yeah. going to get there sooner than later. And, you know, you add, you know, 38 million people in California, plus the, the residents of Arizona and, and Nevada, and that's a lot of people who need power.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Just to run the internet and watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So we exactly. can do that
2: and that'll get their attention. Because... Not to mention charge their vehicles.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And that's uh, renewable power, guys. That's the kind of power gotta, you want to charge your vehicles.
1: Yeah, they need to they need to charge those electric vehicles. And um you can you can do it with solar, but you know, when it gets dark, solar panels don't don't collect anything for a while.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, there's batteries, but that's a long story, too. We're not getting into that. We're talking drought. But this has been great. Uh, Tim and Todd, uh, anything uh, – I'm going to give you each a chance to close out. Tim, anything else you'd like to add for our conversation tonight?
2: Well, it's just – it's going to be an interesting few months because we're just at the beginning of summer here, and we're already – everybody's already in crisis mode. Uh, There's, um, you know, everything we talked about, and there's three – four warm months
1: left yes. and dry months left. Todd? Yeah, you know, as somebody told me yesterday on the phone that, that, that growers are pretty, um, they've been pretty resilient and, and they're pretty ingenious when it comes to, um, you know, planning around these these challenges and working around these challenges. And, and that's amazing to see. But, you know, without water, it just... It, I'm sorry, you're not going to grow a crop. I mean, you can have all the best intentions in the world and be the best farm manager in the world. But if you can't irrigate that crop, what do you do?
0: It's a big deal. Well, Tim Heardin and Todd Fichette from Western Farm Press, it's been great chatting with you. Anybody listening to this can check out westernfarmpress.com to keep up with their coverage. And maybe sign up for the newsletter so you know what's going on. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for your hard work. And uh, I would—I guess I'll pray for rain for both of you. Well,
1: thank you very much. Thank you very much, Willie.
0: As reservoir levels drop and government regulators choose subdivisions over farmland, producers face new challenges. We thank Tim Heardin and Todd Fichette from Western Farm Press for their insights. You've been listening to Around Farm Progress, our weekly look at agriculture across the United States with editors from the Farm Progress team and experts in our industry. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer and Feedstuffs, and the Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days. And speaking of those two live shows, mark your calendar for August 31st, September 1st, and 2nd for the Farm Progress Show, and September 14, 15, and 16 for Husker Harvest Days. We hope to see you there. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vo, Editorial Director at Farm Progress.
1: Thanks for listening.